one. What's going on? Everybody. You've got the card board coach here with your boy, Coach Co. And today we have a very special guest on the podcast today. We've got special one cards, aka Paulo. How you doing today, man? Good, good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate this. Uh, we've been back and forth for quite some time, and I'm glad we were finally able to to nail down a time for the podcast. I think this is going to be very informative for a lot of people, especially those who like soccer. Uh, do you want to tell the audience where the name Special One Cards comes from, and that'll kind of yeah, help us yeah, transition yeah. So, into all of this? Yeah, Special One is... So when I first started, right, uh, kind of creating that Instagram profile for the card side of things i wasn't sure where i wanted to go with it it was kind of like you know uh, my regular instagram name is boston's best one but like you know i don't want to use that i was kind of like we got to do something separate so my uh i guess we call it kind of uh somebody that i really look up to not look up to but somebody i admire right yeah. is, is jose Mourinho, and his nickname obviously uh, self-dubbed, right? He dubbed himself yeah. the special one. Everyone's at that press conference before, but yeah. he wasn't far from the truth when he says that. So uh, kind of a tribute homage to him. Uh, and, uh, you know, I am a Benfica fan. Uh, he did coach Benfica for the period, I think it was about two and a half months. For those that didn't know that, now you know. Uh, and he left because of a disagreement with the new president at the club at the time. So if Benfica had kept him, who knows what could have happened at Benfica. Probably the same thing that happened at Porto. So it's an homage to Jose Mourinho, and uh, hopefully someday he does coach a national team. You know, you and I are the same in a lot of ways. Uh, you, you're Portuguese, you collect soccer, you collect hockey. But where we differ the most is you're a Benfiquista, and I hate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, you guys have a great team. Um, I'm a Portisha, but uh, you know, we, we dig- yeah, I know. You see, there you go. It's uh, it's funny. When I was growing up, it was for me. It was like I got to pick. I just picked a color. Like I was probably. I remember being like like four or five, and I've always like. I mean, I grew up in Toronto, so I think that's that kind of has something to do with it. Just like all of our teams are blue, except yeah. for the Raptors, and um, I just I like gravitated towards the blue and I had no idea like if the team was good or not. Like, and then I started watching. I'm like, yo, this is like right around the time that where uh they were it was like right before they won their Champions Leagues. And so I probably was like six or seven when I saw a Champions League victory. And I was like, yo, this is this team's fucking sick. You know, like I was like, well, this team is nuts. And then like watching like Ricardo Quaresma uh, and like some of his, his like three velas, like I was just like, man, this guy is. He was my favorite player growing up. Probably still is, to be honest. Um, I mean, it's like impossible to emulate your game after someone who's like so erratic and uh, quite honestly, like didn't really have the the tri- like live up to that trajectory at the time. But man, that guy, the amount of world class goals that he scored, I, I and just like his demeanor and you know, like randomly he'd show up a trading with like a shaved head. I'm like, man, I fucking love that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, just like, and then like next day he'd be like tatted from like the neck down. I'm like, man, this guy is like, this guy doesn't give a shit. And it was you know so, uh, so unlike anything like Portuguese, right? Like, yeah, uh, you know, Portuguese is, uh, people are typically very traditional. Like, you know, like no one in my family has tattoos and they're all very like, you, you there's like, just, there's just rules, right? That you just yeah, don't yeah. break. And he was very much the complete opposite. And I was like, 
I love you for that. You know what he reminds me of when I look at uh, North American athletes, right? And kind of, uh, and Ricardo Corzma, for those that don't know who he is, I still think he's one of the most technically gifted players I've ever seen play the game in terms of the skills he had. Uh, he was a player that did not live up to the hype, obviously. He was uh, uh, a bigger prospect than Ronaldo. Uh, and Sir Alex Ferguson almost took him to United with Ronaldo. And if he had done that, we may have seen a different trajectory, right? But yeah. and I, th- I think Charisma came due with the national team later on when they won the European Cup. He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was. If it wasn't for the, he scored against uh, Croatia, didn't he? In the yeah. in the extra time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, but going back to my first point is, he reminds me a lot of, and uh, he's kind of the Allen Iverson of of Portuguese soccer. And he was my favorite basketball player. You know what I mean? So yeah. you talk, about, you know untraditional guys you know with dreads i mean charisma showed up with dreads a few times too and um you know cornrows and things of that nature tattoos and he would wear the the wild outfits and so it reminds me a lot of alan iverson in some capacity and kind of iverson same thing never won a title right uh you know but was revered by many uh and i think charisma is in that same fashion for me even i may be a little bit older than you but i think at that point in time I was playing in a lot of rec leagues in Boston, and it was one of the guys that I would try to emulate my yeah. game after too, just because that flair was yeah. incredible. But it, nonetheless, a Porto player, a guy I, I liked, uh, and I think it's it's unique that you brought up that you're a Portista because I think it's changed a little bit, right? Uh, yeah. Where people respect, uh, and f- we have fans of players now too, right? Yeah. I remember, you know, back, I mean, my dad is still very like anti anything. I hated or, Ronaldo for the first like five years of his career because like he came from sport. Like I, yeah. I couldn't stand it. You know, I was yeah. like, oh, fuck this guy, you know? And then like yeah. once like enough time had passed and he was like at Madrid and I was like, you know what? Like I, I can officially like you again because like you're no longer associated with sport with sporting. Yeah, it's changed. Uh, and I think it's for, 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 for the better, you know, for sure. Uh, I mean, for the better, obviously. So, but uh, you know, those are the three big ones in Portugal, right? Sporting, Benfica, and uh, Porto, and Braga's right there now. Too. Dude, I have a friend who in elementary school was a diehard Braga fan, diehard. Like, I was like, why the fuck do you like Braga? You know, like, and he's like from Braga, and so like, and we actually called him Victor Braga. Like, it's like his name was Victor Braga, man. And um, it's a nice little city, though, if you're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like watching them be successful and like make it to Europa League. And I, I, I honestly, I, my heart goes out to him. And I'm like, I'm like, I, that's one of the guys. There was also when I was in elementary school or I lied when I was in like early high school days. um, A guy who worked there was a diehard Man City fan. And this was back when Man City was playing like third division, like yeah. not even in the championship. And uh, I was like, fuck that team. They suck. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, and he like every every match he'd go to like a, a local bar. And I was like, how does Man City have a bar when they're so trash? Yeah. And uh, the minute they got bought uh, and they got all the oil money and they started buying Robinho and Tevez and, and Adebayor, I was like, there is nobody that I feel better for than than you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's one of the things that you don't really see a lot in north american sports where a team's whole like history and linear lineage like it changes overnight right like what what's what's possible for them because of 
there's no salary cap and that's like not not like a north american system exactly. right there's a there's south there's there's some form of salary cap in every single league except for when it comes to, to football and we're going to refer to soccer as football in this episode yep. <laughs> because that's that's actually cool. <laughs> and um so it's just you know a, a cash infusion or like a change in ownership it just makes such a big difference when it comes to like the the i mean you, you look at benfica for instance last year they sold they probably sold 180 million euros worth of players, right? Yeah. And if that if that team had money, those are players that would be there in the future, helping build a squad that would be competitive in Champions League on a regular basis, right? So, like every I, lo- I love about football is that every club kind of has their own purpose, and it's never to tank because, like, if you tank, you there's no draft picks, you just exactly. lose revenue, you lose your fans, you. Yeah. get dumped or dumped down to like a second division tier. Um, but instead the incentive is like to, to really cultivate these players, these homegrown talents, beef up your Academy and then sell these players and then hopefully continue to do good business and eventually bring yourself up that way. So I love that about, about football. And actually in, in many ways, it kind of like mirrors, um, you know, like buying cards and then like at, at like a at a low and then selling those cards at a high and then being right. able to buy into like a, a more expensive card next time and like kind of doing it. And and so like I think that's one of the reasons why I I, I love football and and like the 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 crossover between cards. Now a lot of the people on or listening probably don't know that one of your biggest shticks is like forecasting a player. Like I've seen two years in advance. I've seen six months in advance. Do you know what I mean? Like you yep. are, you, you drop these comprehensive um, footnotes. And I guess it's more than footnotes, but I, I, I guess that's it was the easiest way for me to refer to them of players that chances are no one's ever heard of. And they usually end up making a big money move to a, a notable club. So my question to you is how do you get your information? So I do a few different things. Um, first and foremost, I watch a lot. Yeah. So, and I'll be honest, these first two weeks of the season, I was I was in Portugal, obviously, for two weeks. I watched a lot there with my dad. Uh, but now that I'm home again, it's probably going to be more difficult. We have a new five-month-old in the family. So it, Congratulations. You know, my, wife, my wife is probably like, can't be watching soccer all the time. So yeah. I watch a lot. You know, I watch the, the leagues that people watch, right? But then I also watch the leagues that people don't watch. I have an affinity for Serie A too as well growing up uh you probably know this Serie A was the best league in the world yep. there's no question about it yep um and then the Portuguese Portuguese league right I watch it because because it's the Portuguese league I have to watch it and for people to understand why it's important to watch the league and I'll throw the French league in there too because I watch maybe two to three games a week I try to pick and choose uh based on players that I'm watching because I want to do the eye test it's important I'm always telling people you have to do the eye test it's significantly important to do that not just watch YouTube highlights yeah. we only cover, they only cover the the good, good. Yeah. yeah right so um so I do that I read I read uh I read a few newspapers daily uh and I'm talking about not in the US if in Portugal I don't know if you're aware of this I don't know when the last time you were there but there are uh, I think there's five separate newspapers that come out daily on soccer in Portugal. Really? So you have five different newspapers in a country of 8 million people that are publishing daily on soccer. So 
so you guys are aware of what some of them are Ab abala which is a a b o l a dot p t you have record which is r c o r d dot p t those are the two significant ones that i look at the ones that i like the best um generally a lot of their stuff is pretty spot on uh it's also uh, some of it can also be kind of glamorized uh but generally it's pretty spot on so reading, watching games, uh, doing some of the background. Now, the problem with some of the soccer stuff is, or football shows, so we're using that name, is one of the things that we fail to kind of get an introspective on are the players' backgrounds and their, their life, right? Their second life, their personal life. Where in North America, we get a lot of exposure to those, who they are, what they do. Yeah. Uh, we just saw that with Mason Greenwood, right? What he did was wrong. I'm not going to go into that, but you saw exactly people made prejudgments on, you know, and this happens across all sports. Yeah. I think in soccer, it's a little harder to look at those things. So when I'm looking at players, I, I do those things. I read a lot. I, I watch the games. Uh, I then try to identify their cards. Right. Uh, and generally I can pick up on that, um, which cards they have. And, and, and then the other thing on top of it now in today's market, to be really kind of to find the right card, you have to identify a player that only has one or two rookie cards. So case in point is, you know, Dusan, Rafael Leon. They only have yeah. one rookie card really um, with very limited parallels, you know, a cracked ice and uh, a red tick in the rookie, you know, the regular yeah. tick. So yeah. um, that's what you Do you, I'm sorry, keep going. No, so those are kind of the steps I take, right. And identifying those, that doesn't mean I'm not going to buy, like I've been buying Antonio Silva cause I, he's a Benfica player. Yeah, I love yeah, yeah. He grew yeah. up uh, about a mile away from my parents. So, uh, you know, situations like that on the collecting side, um, which is why I collect hockey too. I think the hockey market has the strongest collecting base in all of sports cards without question. The true collectors are in hockey. I say that all the time, but um, I think the soccer, so with the soccer market, right, when you're trying to pick those guys you want to make money with, you have to identify, especially in this market, identify, okay, this player only has this rookie card in this set. Um, and there's a few guys right now that I, you know, through the past few months that I've identified that people should take a look at and consider. So one thing I find difficult when it comes to, because I think that like, I, I probably don't watch as much football as you. I definitely I watch like a lot and uh, for me identifying the the card and you know we talk about how there's like several different sets it's like which set is the most likely to garner the most amount of interest Do you know what I mean because yeah a lot of times when these guys peak it might be like two or three or not even peak but like when they get like hype in the market it's like two or three years later like if we look at like Bal Bal Balagoon, right? He he just got sold to Monaco. I mean, likely yep. this is probably not his peak, right? Like if he plays for the US, chances are, you know, that'll probably on again. bring his stuff up, right? But at the very least, like this is the guy who was in was a 2021 Prism. Yep. Um and and like relatively unnoticed when he first came out, right? And then I find as they become more and more noticed, like tops and panini they start printing them in like so many different sets right so it, it's like is the prism his rookie and like I, in this case i think that's probably gonna be the most desirable because people right. generally gravitate towards prism but i just find it very interesting that like you have to think about who your next consumer is going to be specifically when it comes to soccer 
because a lot of times like the true rookies are stickers, right? Like, and for me, like personally, I'm a sticker guy. I've always been a sticker guy. I'll take stickers over like Julian Alvarez has a, like a sticker, um, that from FIFA three. uh, Yeah. He's got the FIFA three sixty five. I was like, this is his rookie. I don't give a shit. Like, and I, I was really early on Alvarez and like, I still like made money off it, but it, it, I found that selling that sticker was so much more difficult than, than it. Sh- I felt it should have been. Do you know what I mean? Cause I'm like, this is his true rookie. This makes no sense to me. Like this is a, a blue back. So like sh- even shorter printed than the blacks, you know, like yeah. if you, un- if you actually chasing this guy's cards or this guy's rookies, this is what you want. And, and just like the, the general market was like, no, give me prism. And I'm like, prism came out three years after this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, get, like what I just didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And, and, and I found that that's happened to me several times now. Yeah. I think so. I like stickers as well. Um, I don't necessarily flip stickers either. I, I keep a lot of the stickers because yeah. I think two separate markets. Right. Um, I guess the best comparison I can give is kind of like, you know, an NFL uh, draft pick, right? Um, a quarterback, for example, and then you have his collegiate card. Okay. Yeah. So we don't consider his collegiate card really his rookie because he's not in his pro kit, but yeah. some of these stickers only have the portrait of the player as it is. Yeah. So it's kind of a dicey situation. Well, because like if you look at like Maradona or like yeah. Pele, like the, I mean, the rookie stickers are like the. I mean, and and I think that personally, if we're gonna get soccer like to the place where everyone is, or Gary Vee's been talking about, and all these other influencers talking about two years ago, how it's about to pop ahead of last year's World Cup. Yeah, which it didn't really happen, it right? Did. Like, never really happened. If that's gonna happen, I think that the cornerstone is like fundamentally from the stickers do you know what i mean because like people didn't collect soccer cards right yeah. like that was never a thing to collect soccer cards those mega cracks cards that are so valuable now those yep. things were you couldn't give them away when they first came out do you know yep. what i mean like exactly. no one gave a shit the quality is like very crap like it's like it's like playing cards like if you've ever yeah. held a mega cracks they they feel like playing cards yeah that's like, why they're so tough to grade exactly uh, that's exactly it trash paper cards uh but i mean it's a valid point. I think uh, this. So here's the issue with kind of the soccer football market that I see. And this is directly probably uh, the manufacturer's fault, too, and the collectors collectively, is that we're trying to mature the sport at a rapid pace that we that cannot be sustained. And what I mean by that is. Soccer does not have that history that baseball or even hockey has. You look at like the Parker sets of the fifties, right? It does not have that lineage. We can go back and soccer. We've talked, if we sit here and talk about that, give me a set of soccer. That's got, you know, from the vintage side, right. That I'm talking that has that we, we can't name it. You know, I mean, there's a Pele rookie sticker, but there's a Eusebio rookie sticker for Panini, but yeah. those, those aren't, so I think Mar- I think the Maradona was it's uh, 69 was probably yeah. or, or 70 79 it was probably the most notable like Panini set to debut I think okay. I think just cuz like uh, the, the crisp white borders like it was uh I think it was a World Cup set too cuz they're, they're yeah. all World Cup kits right Yep Yeah I I anyway but again like it's you're right you're right and I think because because right now what I'm seeing the and I, and I haven't got so I haven't gotten into any breaks of this year's product yet. Me neither. Because I feel like there's too much of it. 
And I think the manufacturers are really trying to push and speed up this, like, we got to catch history. We got to catch history. We can't do that. I think people got to relax a little bit. Uh, I've been buying my singles and I'm happy with that. It saves me money, you know? Um, but I think uh, that's a problem. And I don't know if anybody else feels that way. I just kind of look at them kind of like this, they're doing this wrong and it's going to could cause an issue down, down, you know, in a few years in terms of what was out there. I mean, you look at Jude Bellingham. He started I was off, just about to oh. say this guy was in, he's an incredible player. He's what, yeah. 20 years old now. Incredible yeah. player. Yeah. But, how many rookies of this guy already exist? That's right? the like, problem. Yep. That's and like, how do you choose that. one, right? You choose a Sapphire. Do you choose, uh, you know, uh, uh, Merlin? Do you choo- choose just a conventional Topps Chrome? Do you choose Bundy? You know, like, yeah. given the fact that, that, that goes back to your initial... prints were so shit. Yeah, and that probably goes back to your initial kind of the conversation we started here was, well, how do you choose which one? And uh, I guess you don't. Uh, you, you just figure out what you like. <laughs> Or, or maybe if you're uh, a guy that flips cards really quickly, uh, then you, you know, you do that. Um, you know, you pick one that is going to move for you quickly, but it's hard to say. I mean, the Jude Bellingham thing is, I said it a year and a half ago. I'll continue to say it. He's generational. Um, I've done the comparison with Pedri a year ago. I told people Jude was the guy and I think he is not to say that Pedri won't come due, yeah. because, but the Barcelona, uh, and this is the warning to all the, collectors out there if you are a barcelona fan fine but the barcelona marketing machine is real and that's what people don't understand in this hobby is any kid that comes from barcelona people automatically think is going to be a a tremendous player now yeah i have a post coming out today and i was actually going to delay it because i was going to try to go on ebay and buy some more stuff but uh, of a former barcelona academy player who went to juve and he's now playing in portugal okay uh, he plays for Estoril Praia. You guys probably know from the 2020 Merlin set. He was in Chrome as well. I think he's in Sapphire as well. Alejandro Marks. Yeah, for- I got a bunch of his stuff, actually. Got two goals in his first yeah. three. Yeah, right? yeah, I got a bunch of his stuff. About before. So cheap. Maybe he's coming due now, you know? So he's gone through Barcelona and Juventus. So obviously those teams saw something in him. So he's a prime example of a guy that, has multiple rookies, right? But it's kind of like, I don't think it matters because if he pops off and let's say he scores another two goals in the next three games, you know, people are going to want to look for him, you know? Yeah, but I'm saying like more for like the top, top guys, right? Like, let's say like in the case of Jude Bellingham, I agree when it comes to like these like diamond and the roughs, like I think it's relatively easy to buy those. You pretty much buy any parallel that's like number to 50 of like these cheap players. Like I remember... I mean, I've been like grabbing Okafors because I'm like, I think like this guy should be on on a top top club at some point. Right. Like I've seen him play uh, multiple different leagues now. I've seen him play in the World Cup. I'm like, this guy can ball, you know, like Noah Okafors. Like, I think he's a good player, but um, I find it interesting. It, it kind of reminds me of baseball a little bit. You know how Bowman first come out and these players don't really f- re- reach like maturation f- until like I would say like I've done the 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 evaluations and it's like roughly six or seven years it's like from the, the time the bowman first hits like let's say you know vladdy is like 2016 or uh, let's say acuna right acuna is going up for mvp right now it's 2023 right now he's 2016 so like seven years yeah and like that's maturation of this card he might continue to win another one he might win another one after that and after that and he's not even guaranteed to win this one but now he's playing up to his potential seven years later 
I think that the way that the football collectors or soccer collectors view these products should be more like Bowman firsts because a lot of these guys take a very long time to reach maturation. Even in the case of like Liao, like, I mean, I don't think he's, he's made it to where he needs to yet, but it took it like three years to even get on anyone's radar. Do you know what I mean? Before anyone even like thought about calling him like close to world-class. Do you know what I mean? Like, so a lot of these products, they, they come out and these players are ridiculously hyped. I mean, like Yusofa Mukoku's one that like I gravitated towards. And early on, I was like, I want to grab a bunch of his stuff because I, I mean, this kid's 16 years old. I was, you know, watching some Academy highlights and then watching him play for Dortmund start as a 17 year old getting subbed on as a 16 year old. I was like, this, this is not normal. Like, I don't think you guys understand that this kid should be in high school right now. And he's playing for a top club in Europe in the champions league. Yeah. And I mean, here we are, he's 18 years old and everyone's calling him a bus. And I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. this is this is funny. <laughs> you know, like this is borderline comical, you know? So I believe in him a lot too. I 18 years old, people gotta calm down. It's that's one of the things there's no patience in this market. I think so. The other part of it is like the soccer football market, they want to be like the NFL market where you can flip players week to week. It doesn't work that way. Well, but the you, NFL players are coming into the NFL as 24-year-olds and like 23-year-olds. And do you know what I mean? Like there's no 18 or 17 or 16-year-old playing in the NFL. There's it's just it's, that was not possible. Same thing with like the NBA. I mean, there, there's occasionally kids drafted out of high school like LeBron, but how often does that happen? Not Almost often. never. They do but, like three years in college and then they get drafted. But you brought up a really good point about, you know, which cards to get. Now, the top guys, the manufacturers know they're going to be top guys. So they manufacture a lot of different varieties and different skews of that player. What's unique, though, uh, a set that I love, I love Chronicles every year. Because Chronicles is sneaky in, in terms of the players that get put in there. That's true. Have another card. Now, this year, Panini went out and made a La Liga set, and they made also... Uh, a Serie A select set. So you had the France score set. The France score set, I'm really high on. There's a lot of prospects in there with their first rookie cards that people aren't aware of that are going to be very good players, at least three to four players that I think. So that's where people need to focus now. And and I'm not trying to say that Top Scrum is trash because Top Scrum is great and Merlin's really nice too. But these other little sets are really important because you have players that are playing for, let's say like a UD Almeida in, uh, in, in Spain, you know, yeah. or Italy, you could have somebody playing for Sasasulo who produces players um, that their only cards are going to be on their set. So I encourage people never to ignore that stuff and try to stray away from that path of, Oh, I got to get Chrome. I got to get this. Yeah. Those players could be in those sets and you're not aware just like Bowman baseball. Yeah. It's funny. Those- I, I feel like, uh, Merlin does that too, but like in like a little bit more of a mainstream way, you know. Like I remember, like Luca Romero de- debuted in in Merlin, and I was like, "Yo, I want more of this guy's stuff." Like last year, um, and then you see Arda Guler making yep. an appearance this year, obviously with like a ton of hype behind him after the Madrid move, and like had that not happened, I mean, we probably could have had as much Arda Guler as you really wanted, you know, for a little bit. But yeah, no, I agree with you. So you were saying what uh, France score? Yeah, the French Panini score set that came out, um, what was it, this past spring or like late last year? Uh, there's some really uh, 
key, I think, rookies that are coming out. I mean, Turkey's got a rookie. He's, he's got a designated rookie RC logo in that set, too. Yeah. Doesn't he have some Tops Now stuff as well? He does have a Tops Now card. Now, uh, some people have claimed that's his real rookie. I get yeah. it. Well, that's the, like uh, Florian Verts, right? Same thing. The print run on the Cherokee is over, I think, 1,500 or 1,800. So it's not like the Holland stuff. Yeah. Low printed. So I don't look at that Tops Now card as it's a cool card. But for me, it's I don't care about that card. The, the Merlin from uh, the past Merlin release. They didn't put an RC logo on it. So is that his rookie card too? I don't know. Uh, and I like don't that. Don't you hate when they do that? I mean, I don't know if I hate it, but it's, it's just very interesting because even I remember the first or the second uh, Merlin set or the first, the second Topps Chrome set, there was a lot of players in there that didn't have rookie card logo or RC logos. But I like that was, I'm like, this is their first card. Like, yeah, I'm like, we're just, people are just throwing out like parallels of, of players. Think- I think as a hobby, we'll acknowledge that like the Turkey Merlin from last year's is rookie, but then you also have that score product. So the score product's got the RC logo on it, and it's from the same year as Merlin. So, you know, I bought some, I bought a gold insert of his out of there too for under a hundred bucks. It was like, why not? I'm high on Turkey as it is, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but that's another guy who had so much hype and like, you know, like hasn't lived up to it yet. Do you know what I mean? Like, 19 like, years. I agree with you. I agree with you. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, this is the guy that, like, if his cards were to debut with an RC logo three years ago or two years ago, people would be spending thousands of dollars. Like, I remember seeing the Sydney Rabier, uh, one of one super fractors sell for like 16K or some shit. I was yeah. like, I was like, what are we doing here? First edition one, I think, too. Yeah. I have the Conte Sound first edition. I still have that one of one. Yeah. I I'm happy to hold it and just, you know, whatever. But it's like, well, what could I get for that? If that Rayburger sells for that much, what could I get for this? You know, but, uh, you know, it's it's speculation. You know what I mean? And I think in the soccer market, we just need a little more patience with players. Because like you said, you brought up a good point is people need to start looking at this like baseball. Yeah. 24 years old, 25, even 20. Like a lot of these guys are in their prime at 26, 27 years old. You know, you had people last Think year. Think of like Bernardo Silva. Like when that guy was, even when he playing on Monaco, he wasn't who he is, who just won. Like, I mean, his run during the Champions League last year is like, is notable. Like as like an all-time run. Like that guy was balling out of his mind. To me, he's a top, uh, I won't even say, I want to say top five player in the world just because of influence on the game. He's a player that doesn't need to score. And he influences the game. You saw him at the World Cup for Portugal. He was playing in front of the center backs. He'd come back at the ball and then push up. You know what I mean? So perfect example of a player that doesn't get any hobby love. Uh, At Monaco, he was, uh, in his last two seasons there, he was pretty instrumental. Yeah. Uh, That's that team. They had the Portuguese coach was there, Leandro Jardim. Mbappe was there. Yeah, of course. There was a bunch of really good players there at the time. Uh, and his, But like was, that was 2016 though, right? And like now you're looking like, I would say that this is the best version of Bernardo and it's 2023, right? Like again, like like seven years after, six, like eight years after, you know? So yeah, it's just very interesting watching like if you were to collect stuff from his Monaco days or even his Benfica days, like how much time it takes, like true patience. And that's kind of where... I feel like soccer really aligns with hockey a lot, right? You've got like like Tage Thompson this year in hockey. I love that stuff. Up, right? And like his rookies from what, 20, is it 18 or 27? 16, 16. There you go. Yeah. I mean, 
another prime example of why. Oh, no, 2017, 2017. So, so it's like, you know, yeah, you don't want to hold everything because you want to move on to other stuff. But like some players, if you believe in them, just, just tuck them away, throw them in your PWCC vault or something. Yeah. Get about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's some- well, like Jack Hughes was a bust up until last season. Right. And like, again, 2018 guy drafted first overall. And then all of a sudden last year, he puts up like 105 points and everyone's like, this guy's top 10 player in the league. You're like, well, I mean, I now mean- he's 22. So like, thank you. Kind of like these guys calling Darwin Nunez a bust when they're comparing him to Erling Holland, and I'm kind of like, you guys got to relax. Uh, what people don't realize is that, you know, Darwin Nunez shows up at Benfica three years ago, does nothing, is yeah. crap. People at Benfica are upset, like they thought this guy was going to be great. Uh, year after, after a year of adjustment, turns into a good player. Benfica sell him, you know, for what was eighty seven million? Yeah, I think. a lot of money. Uh. You know, and, and Benfica, Porto, Sporting, they're, they're they're the best in the world. There's no, I tell people all the time, people are like, well, Dortmund's really good at it too. I'm like, listen, Dortmund doesn't have the longevity of those clubs. I You're agree. So, fan, you look at the 03 Porto team that won time was the UEFA Cup, then they won the Champions League. Well, the year back after. to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They had, uh, you know, Anderson Deco, they had Carvalho, they had Paulo Ferreira, they had, um, you know, Benny McCarthy, they had they had these really excellent players, and a lot of them Mourinho brought from Lady everybody, yeah. So there's something to say about development and having these players let them develop over those years or three-year span, and then they move on. So I think Liverpool fans, I think not to harken back on Darren Nunez, but I think a big year is coming from him. Um will he score like 40, 50 goals? Probably not. But I can see him scoring over 25 goals in the Premier League this year. Well, especially because, I mean, there's reports that Salah's out, right? Yeah, they're saying they the the kid, the Portuguese kid from Benfica who's at Celtic, Jota, was the guy that was... There's some really weird rumors going on with that uh, in Saudi Arabia. There's... Uh, I've heard two different rumors. I won't go on the first one. The other rumor I heard was that the Saudis that support that team are given backlash because they don't know who he is. Uh, and they need a big star power. So... You know, Mo Salah's their target, um, and I would actually like that because I like to see Jota back in Europe. I think he left a little too early, but, you know, again. I mean, especially to go from, like, the Scottish League, right? Like, I feel like he never really got a shot in, like, true Europe. And, like, no disrespect to Scottish League, but. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. Um, and people are really kind of up in arms about this whole Saudi thing, right? Uh, but yeah, I'm curious. What's your take? So, I I understand why some players are going. Uh, this is life-changing money. And some people will say, well, they were making good money before. I'm like, well, you're not in that situation. You can't speak on that. Yeah. He's going to offer me like, um, uh, what's his name went to? Uh, Jordan port- Henderson's getting paid 700,000 euros a week, bro. I Jordan mean, Henderson. It's not only going to change your life, but it's going to change generations down your, you know what I mean? So, and I'm a people call me a Ronaldo fanboy and a Messi hater. I'm not a Messi hater. I love Messi. I've enjoyed watching him. Both players have been great, but let's let's call a spade a spade here. But Messi in the MLS versus Messi in Saudi Arabia, two different things. The MLS has a bunch of decent players, but we also have players that who's decent. Who we also who's, have play- who's decent in the MLS? Construction <laughs> playing the MLS. Nothing against construction workers. Got a lot of friends that work construction, but. <laughs> Saudi Arabian league is full of stars now and 
Ronaldo yesterday scores two what two goals hat trick. No, no, he had a hat trick and an assist, bro. <laughs> uh, but there's no news on that, right? No, and TSN's I- fucking there's a messy assist in the 98th minute in some bullshit no. League Cup game. I'm like, bro, what are we watching here? I'm like, Ronaldo just scored a hat trick and an assist, and there's no coverage. I was like, that's cool. That's cool. So uh, you know, for me, oh, Fox just bought, I don't know if you knew this, but they just bought the Saudi League rights, TV rights. No, I didn't. So Fox Soccer, Fox Sports, Fox Soccer bought the rights for that for North America. Wow. There is something there. Uh, and I anticipate if you have the MLS on one TV and if you have the Saudi League on one on TV, I'm probably going to say nine out of ten people are going to watch the Saudi League because of the star power there. So Have you seen the lineup for the all-star lineup for the Saudi League? I'm like, bro, that's like two like world-class 11s. Yep, yep. And, you know, and Ronaldo's playing with... Uh, I don't know if you remember him, Benfica, Talisca. Yeah, yeah, of course. He was playing with him before that, though. Yeah, he was already on the team. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, already yeah. there. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty decent player. Yeah. Um, he's so, he got Mane next to him, too, now. Yeah, so, I mean, put those three guys up against anybody. I mean, I would. Yeah. Uh, I think it's I, I think it's good for soccer to have that competition amongst leagues. Um, I think it'd be cool if they allowed them into the Champions League. It'd be really kind of interesting. That would be uh, interesting. Not gonna happen, but It'd be Ronaldo's comeback story. Let me ask you something. Do you think Ronaldo plays at the next World Cup? Absolutely. What? Yes. Absolutely. What? I, what? After the last <laughs> work, I was in doubt, uh in limbo on that. I think he's gonna be there. Uh, and I think we may see a fairy tale where he walks off. Wins the whole damn thing and tells people, all right, now can you guys include me in the discussion with Messi as the best ever? Bro, I, as a Portuguese person, you're killing me right now. Wait, <laughs> no, I look at things from a different perspective in terms of guys that it's kind of like Tom Brady, right? Like yeah. guy like leaves New England, like has a point to prove. Uh and Ronaldo and what how Ronaldo exited United was probably not the best thing that he did. Um, people forget that his kid died like six months before he went through quite a bit that year. Um, so I think, you know, he may have said some things that were emotionally not the best way to do things, but we all do that. Sometimes we speak from emotion and we make mistakes and people need to understand that. Uh, he wasn't a, wrong about United though. Like he, was, been he wasn't real- wrong about United, like about it. Uh, Jose's talked about it and you look at, um, so United was actually losing two nothing a little bit ago. They finally tied it two to two. I saw, I just saw the notification. Yeah, it's funny. Um, but United, like I, I look at them and I'm kind of like, not to be a again a Ronaldo fanboy. I think Ten Hag is Ten Hag is the most overrated coach in the Premier League or in the world. Uh, I think it's still a dumpster fire there. You're down two nothing at home to Nottingham Forest. I guess they tied now, but I get it. But it was four minutes in. They were down two nil. Yeah. And the way he was, and I get what he was trying to do, but I, no other coach has ever done that to Ronaldo. What he did with the subbing him on at what eighty nine minutes last year, yeah, and asking him to like try to show up, you know, you know, Ancelotti never did that to him. Jose never did. Nobody's ever done that to him. Um, and yeah, granted, different points in his career, but um, you can't do that to players, uh, especially at Ronaldo. Um, not to say that there's different rules, but I think a player like him, you don't do that. It's just embarrassing why don't you just take the 16 year old off the bench and let him on and give him the experience you know yeah yeah I think talk to talk- me ab- go ahead 
So talk to me about the 2024 Euro. Um, there's going to be more teams this year. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, some have say it said that the Euro is harder to win than the World Cup. I agree. Um, I think so too, because it's a lot harder to qualify. There's way better teams in Europe than there are in the world. No disrespect to the rest of the world. Um, now there's there's now more teams in this Euro. That being said, I mean, the, the teams that are qualifying are still going to be... I mean, th- if you look at the teams that don't qualify in Europe, Norway doesn't qualify for any tournament. And they've got one of the best players in the world. Actually, two of, if you include Martin Odegaard in that conversation. And truly, you should, because that kid is unreal. And that's another guy who, at Madrid, at 16 years old, everyone called a bust. And now everyone's seeing how he's a world-class midfielder. Is he now 22 or 23? 20, I think he might be 20, 23 or 24. Still young. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, going into the Euro, do you have a team that you're... I know it's like a, a year out. Yeah, it's about a year out. Are, is there a team that you're looking at? Is Are there players that you're looking at? Are you already starting to target? When will you start to target? I just asked you like three questions. Yeah, uh, I haven't started to really like kind of study that yet um, because with the expand expanded kind of teams in the tournament uh it, it makes it a little tougher right um obviously i'm rooting for portugal number one and first and foremost uh, i'm not i hope i'm wrong because i do not like this coach they you have don't like looked, no don't like roberto martinez at all um i want a jose obviously but just roughly of course they don't want to let him walk yet um or they didn't want him to coach both at the same time um but he's proven me wrong this far. I don't think they've lost yet. They've looked really good. Really uh, good. Uh, I think Portugal is going to have the heavy task of trying to incorporate. Uh, I, I still really feel like they need to incorporate Felix and Liao into the lineup to start together with Ronaldo and Bernardo. I just, for them to be really successful, I think that's important. What or about even, Bruno Fernandes? Where does he fit in? He's, he plays, I think. Okay. Uh, Starts? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, I, man, it's the Euro. I think you're going to have your, your typical usual suspects. I think of one team that I think that could be a surprise. So, you know, who are contenders? England's a contender, obviously. Of course. France, obviously Portugal's there. I think Belgium's on the down low now a little bit. They're getting, so they're kind of, you know, I don't, I'm not sure they get to expect a lot. I think a team that could be a, a strong team besides their coach. I don't think their coach is very good. Holland's got some really interesting young players. Um, you know, they got Cooper Miners that's playing in Syria, who's an ex, I think he's an excellent player, and people just haven't watched him to understand how good he is. My buddy's a diehard uh, Juve fan. He's like, watches a ton of Syria, and he's been talking about Coop Miners for uh, like at least eight months. Yeah, the guys, he's an incredible player, I think. And uh, their only problem, I think, I think their coach is terrible, who's Ronnie Koeman's back there again. Yeah. So, you know, he he just destroys everything he goes to. I mean, same thing with Van Hall, and they just keep rotating between the two. Yeah. I don't know why Van Hall didn't stay because I like Van Hall. I think he's a good player. Yeah. So, you know, Holland's a team to kind of watch out because they've been kind of silent over the last few years. Germany is still, people still love Germany. And, they have the talent. They're going through like a like a youth phase now, though. Like a lot of their kids, because like they were they won the the under twenty one World Cup, I think, didn't they? Or they beat Portugal in the final. Yes, yeah. So they got a lot of those kids that are kind of like making that transition. Yep. Uh, so it's gonna be very interesting. It's also in Germany, 
So I think that that could play somewhat of a factor into the tournament as well. Like that's one of the teams that I was looking at. I was like, hmm, this could get really interesting, especially if Kai Havertz figures this shit out and Timo Werner is actually like, I mean, essentially playing the way that he's, we know he's capable of that. Not the, the Timo Werner that was in Chelsea, but the Timo Werner that was with uh, uh, Leipzig previously. There's, um, yeah, that's, that's definitely a team that I'm looking at for sure. And I still think, I mean, they really disappointed me at the World Cup, but uh, Serbia um, could be a really good team at the Euros too. I was, I thought they would be like a, a quarterfinal team at the World Cup and they were just really disappointing. Um, and I don't know if that was kind of, I think Dusan was hurt at the World Cup too. Um, I don't think people realize that. Uh, never, nothing ever came out, but I could just, watching him play, I could tell something wasn't right. Yeah. Uh, he's another guy, I think, if he gets a transfer from Juve, he kind of could have a resurgence in the hobby too as well. So there's, you know, you have your typical suspects, you have some teams that potentially could uh, do some damage. Uh, Norway, it's not only Holland and Odegaard, they've got some other really talented players. Yeah. Uh, he's got one of the players. Kirkstad, uh, is that what his name is? K-J-A-E-E. One of the other ones, and you have Schlerdrup, who now his dad is saying wants out of Benfica because they signed Di Maria, and he's not getting the playing time. I'm like, what a signing, though, man. Years old, dude. Like, I know. Like, let, let things happen at Benfica, you'll be fine. So it looks like he's going to be out the door, and I think Benfica's still going to make money on him, so they don't care at this point. So, yeah. But Holland's an interesting team to watch. They've, I mean, Holland's... Uh, is interesting. They've got those players. They've got one other kid that I think um, could be a potentially good player. He plays for Celta. Um, Vigo. I, I, I like Sorloth too. Like I don't know how. I mean, good. He's a little older though. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying as like a like a rookie to target, but I'm just saying as like a like a, a fairly good player on the pitch. Like it's not like they're like a two man. Everyone's like, oh, they're two players. So I'm like, nah, they got like a decent squad. Yeah. Uh, the other guy is um, Jorgen Strand Larsen. Um, yes, for Norway, who's yeah. a eagle player. I think he had about nine or ten goals last year. I feel like he played for AC, didn't he? What am I? Strand Larson. I'm not sure if he did I, or not. I could be wrong. Anyway, keep going. He's got a 21-22 like road to guitar rookie card. He may have a mega cracks. So I'm not positive. Um, and he also may be in the select set this year. I haven't looked at that. I bought the, the road to guitar one. Uh, like a uh, pink, I think numbered to twenty five. I got a really cheap. It was like three bucks. <laughs> That's crazy. And it got a nine, but I, I don't care. Like I, I already, have, you know. So it's yeah, kind yeah. of because a lot of the stuff that I grade is stuff that no one's graded. Uh, yeah, and like, and like short printed to twenty five. I mean, I don't think the nine or ten really matters at that point, right? Like, no. So yeah, Norway was a good call out there. Uh, they've got some good young talent. Whether they put it together, I don't know. Um, Holland's incredible. We know he can change games, uh, but he's still not, uh, like I've had people call me a Holland hater too, because I prefer Mbappe over Holland, but they're two different players. Yeah. You know, I like Holland, but I'm not like, give me, we give me R9 all day. I was long. just about to say, I'm like, he's not R9's level. Like he's not. R nine like, could take over games. I know he like especially for for Brazil and for the the inter teams. Like the 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 squad that he had behind him was ridiculous. But he also had the ability to like take that ball from you know in between like the, the midfield and box and just just go off. And like we've yet to see that with Holland. He's got he's incredibly clinical and yeah. like 
He knows like the right place, the right time. That's exactly all the things you want from a striker. He's agile. He's flexible. He's good with both feet, relatively speaking. He's like great head, like great in the air. So like everything you want in a striker, he's a complete package. But I just have not seen him take over like very many games. Yeah, or or even score that. Uh, I call him decisive or crucial goals. Like, don't care what anybody says. Ronaldo, not R nine. I'm talking about. I'm going to talk about CR seven. Yeah, he's the most clutch player in, in history in the history of soccer. No question. Guy scores goals when they're needed at the times they need them uh, to help his team. So we haven't seen Holland have to do that yet. Uh, and until he does, I, I, I'm kind of still reserved in terms. And I have I have some of his stuff, but I'm kind of still like reserved in saying he's better than R9. No way. R9 is probably the best striker I've ever seen in my life. Crazy. Uh, and I, I I was reading a quote actually from Mourinho. He said that he's the best player he's ever seen in his ever life. Ever seen, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, power, the, the speed, the strength, like that's your striker right there. That's when we were growing up. That's who everybody wanted to be like Ronaldo R9, you know, so he may get there. We don't know. I just watch, I watch Holland run sometimes and I'm like, man, he looks like he's working so hard running like that. Yeah. 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 R9. It was like, this guy's just like, he's just humanly gifted, like superior than the other player. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess that the, the Jogo Bonito way that's a little more finesse, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like uh, same thing with like Dingo. Dingo never looked like he was he was trying too hard, but he, I mean, it's and absolutely even magnificent. Back and look at some Portuguese players like that too. I mean, Deco was obviously Brazilian, but he played for Portugal. Another guy that Rui Costa too. Um, Luis, we don't Figo, speak. We don't speak of Rui, Rui Costa on this podcast. Player, and I, I actually bought it. <laughs> Uh, while I was over there, I had a jersey made. Yeah, um, but like Figo's the other example, like where he was kind of a power speed, uh, you know, for a right winger, left winger guy that could interchange. I don't think there's anybody in the world right now that I would take over Figo from that era. There isn't. I, I it's it's hard. I look at that era. You might look at the era like I do. That kind of late '90s or like mid 2000s. I think we had better players, let's say the top 10 players in the world versus the top 10 players today in that yeah. era. Yeah. I mean, like the Zidans, the Thierry Henry's, like, I mean, those guys all, like, you can't even, the players of today, you can't mention in the same category as a lot of those players, man. Like, I think, I think with the soccer, going back to when we first started talking, was you look at those guys from that era and their cards are stickers, right? That's my point. Going to catch up to the other stuff from you know the other sport it's going to eventually uh it's just a matter of patience right not to go back to cards here but that has a big i think i have a really bullish strong outlook on that stuff so if like you're running into like you know zidane early 2000s or zidane 90s stuff like gobble those things up figos uh i have a not i mean i have a good chunk of like my i mean my pc stuff is like Maradona, Ronaldo, like CR7, uh, Zidane, and Henri. And I'm like, those guys are, I, I, I in my mind, untouchable. They can be in, in the conversation of like the greatest. I mean, probably, I mean, up until now, for sure. We'll see how, what happens in the future. But at their positions, you know, like guys with, I guess, not multiple World Cups because you throw Ronaldo in there, but. Um, just 
players that will never be forgotten. No, no. I mean, Zidane, like I, I, you know, I saved, I've said this many of times. Zidane is the best player I ever saw play in my life to this day. Uh, I don't care that Messi's around. I love Ronaldo because he's Portuguese, but Zidane is the best player I've ever seen play, given that he didn't need to score goals to influence the outcome of games. Yeah. He's just an incredible player. Uh, and a lot of collectors, they might be younger, so they never they never got to see him. But he's a guy, he won a World Cup. He went to... Another final. Went to another final, yeah. He had a... Marco Matarazzi. Yeah, yeah, with the little headbutt. Yeah. Uh, the only time I hated him was in the Portugal uh, semifinals of the Euro of oh, of 2000. You and me both, when uh, we gave up that penalty. Yep, gave up the penalty. Jean punches the ref in the gut. Uh, it was a mess. It was an embarrassing fucking fuck. for Portugal. We always uh, get fucked in the in the, the quarterfinals, eh? The UEFA doesn't... It's known. Uh, it's not conspiracy. That, <laughs> that's too. He says UEFA just does not like Portugal. They don't like little countries. They'd rather give Spain, the bigger countries, the notoriety. Um, and, and it kind of brings back the old uh, Messi-Ronaldo kind of debate where... Uh, and I think the media is doing it now with Mbappe and Holland. You need to have a villain and a hero. Of course. Messi was the hero during this whole... Messi Ronaldo rivalry. And now Mbappe's turning into the villain guy. Yeah. On who's the good guy, right? So yeah. there's a narrative there being played. Um, and we always hear the argument, oh, Portugal, Portugal. Listen, Portugal is a country of eight million. Literally. Uh, and before Ar- Ronaldo, honestly, there was no and that's one of the reasons why, like, you know, we talked about the beginning of the show, like he was a sport, he was from Sporting. And so, you know, as a sporting ishta, I could I as a sporting or as a a portista, I couldn't collect like a like a, a a sporting player, and then after a certain amount of time, I realized that the impact that this guy was having on the country yep. as a whole, I was oh. like, "There's no way in hell I can't support this as a Portuguese person." Because like all of a sudden, it became cool to be Portuguese. Yeah. All of a sudden, like being Portuguese wasn't associated with like construction workers or laborers or because like that's like when I was growing up, like that's what Portuguese people were like. They were, and again, like there's no no disrespect that like. But like that was like the ceiling. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like grape squisher. So I mean, you know. <laughs> bro, that's like my my none of my like my grandparents, like none of them had any education. They literally like I they grew up on uh uh Pesh, you know, which is literally like a tiny ass island. And I looked it up, there's maybe eight thousand people on this island, you know. So like that's farmland, generally speaking. There's there's nothing there. There's it's a school system, good luck with that. And you know, you just kind of lived a very simple life. And so like along came this 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 kid who completely changed the perception of, of Portugal as a whole, where now all of a sudden it's like this the desired destination to go uh, vacation to. And, you know, like a lot of people from North America have have secondary homes in Portugal. And, you know, it's this beautiful, wonderful place. But I, I he is a large reason why that that it, why it's relevant straight up. But, you know, it's but one of the things that we now here's the other thing we have to think about. We've had three players, I think. Eusebi won uh, best player in the world, too. So you have yeah. Eusebi, Ronaldo. Not many countries say they've had three players. England's only had one. Yeah. You know who it was? The George Best? Oh, Michael Owen. People forget. Really? Yeah. Um, so we've had three Ballon d'Or winners or FIFA players of the uh, of the world best players in the world right and 
people continue to make this comparison between Portugal and Argentina. I'm like, listen, uh, Argentina's got 30, 40 million people. Portugal got 8 million. Uh, it's a very hard kind of debate to have on who produces the most talent. Uh, Argentina obviously has more to pull from. Uh, yeah. Even Brazil, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, going back to the Portugal thing and Ronaldo, why he's become so revered is, and I think part of it, and I'm not saying it's not, because of what he's done and how he's played and because a lot of kids want to emulate it, but we live in a, a, a time of, you know, social media helps yes. that having soccer games on TV again, does that because you don't have to go to the Portuguese club and pay 15 bucks to go watch the game. Yeah. into order the game or yeah. satellite dish. They got to buy to watch the games. You know, we no longer have those issues. So that's helped because again, going back to that era, if we had, watch some of those players play more we i mean you people might know who they are more and uh you might have these values might be higher too on some of these guys i i don't know but yeah um, it is a big thing i you know i just got back from there and we spent our last three days in lisbon and i took my wife she's never been over there uh we tried to go to the monastery of geronimo's which is in lisbon it's in belang and it's where Vasco da Gama is buried and a bunch of other famous Portuguese kind of kings. And Camões is buried there, too, I think, uh, the, the legendary Portuguese poet. But we got there. The line was the length of the monastery. Really? And I have never, ever seen Lisbon like this before. It's become a hot spot, uh, like you said, uh, to go to Portugal is uh, very popular now. Um and a few reasons from my observations while I was there, one of them being things are really cheap there. So you go to, let's say you go for a, in Portugal, they kind of call the sesta, not the siesta. Yeah, sesta. Yeah, yeah. But Portugal, they do a little different. They don't really take naps. They go out uh, and eat first, then they have a nap. But you go and get a, a steak sandwich, which is a prego in the pound, right? Uh, you get two of those maybe two beers, maybe you have two coffees after. We're talking like eight, nine euros. No way, really? Yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. Uh, you go to eat, four people go to eat, like me, my wife, my parents would go. We'd have maybe an app or two. Then you'd have entrees, including octopus, cod, like good food, dessert, coffees, and a shot, a uh, pitcher of, of uh, sangria and a bottle of wine, 45 bucks. I mean, like, this is why people are going to Portugal. Because they understand, not that they set the prices, but the prices are really good there, especially on food and drink. Um, and I think your money stretches a long way in terms of that. Uh, the the one kind of cost prohibitive thing is if you if you go there to buy like American Levi's and stuff like that, you're in trouble. Yeah, but, yeah, of course. But like, why would you do that then? You do that anyways. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's kind of the. What's going on there? And my wife, you know, she, she says, well, this tastes different. Everything's fresher there. Uh, for those that don't know, not to go off tangent here, but <laughs> this is actually an ad to visit Portugal. Got the strictest, uh, some of the strictest food standards in the world um, for, you know, between supermarkets and between uh, restaurants. So, you know, go to Portugal. Yeah, it's great. Um, Lisbon's a little bit more expensive and Porto's getting really popular too. Porto's an absolutely, I hate their team, but their city is a phenomenal city. It's a great place. But but I was, I rarely looked for cards while I was there. When I had the chance, I looked, but I couldn't find anything. So I was like, I was kind of hoping that 
I'm going to run into somebody who's got some Ronaldo. Like, like a mega cracks, you know, like a, just hidden somewhere. Or and like, and just like, you know, for like five euros, and just buy it. Now I didn't run to anything. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like even if, I mean, you come there with like the North American standards for sports cards and memorabilia. And like you offer someone down there, like, I don't know, 300 euros or 400 euros for like a raw mega cracks. Like, you're, I think you're good. Yeah. I mean, minimum wage in Portugal is 750 euros. So, you know, think about that for a second. Everyone out there that's listening, 750 euros and people are living fine. But like you said, you offer somebody a month. Yeah. No. Minimum wage. Yeah. Really? My dad says that if you have, let's say, Twelve to fifteen hundred dollars in wages a month, you live like a king. Wow. Listen, Coach Co, it's it's seventy cents for a draft of beer. I know that. That's crazy. That's oh, enough it, reason to, get me to go there. <laughs> zero and thirty cents. So uh, <laughs> but you know what's really interesting? I looked for stickers, like stickers from last year and this coming year. I don't know if this year's has come out yet, but I couldn't find any. Really? Like, which was interesting because, like, I was like, I figured they would have more, uh, like the Portuguese League stickers. Yeah. I didn't see it at all anywhere. I went to the Continent's a big market there. Um, they've got it's kind of like the Walmart, but like a lot nicer. Yeah. Uh, but I couldn't find any stickers at all, and I was like, I want to buy like two boxes and bring them back with me. I could not find them. It's wild. That's crazy, Paulo. You got to tell uh, the listeners where they can find you, where they can reach out to you, where they can support your channel, and maybe you know figure out a little bit more about. You've got a podcast as well, so I'm gonna give you the floor. Go for it. I have a podcast since I've been back, but I'm gonna record coming up uh, this week, and hopefully we'll have you on in the coming month or so too. But you can follow me on Instagram. It's at Special One Cards. So Special O N E Cards. Um, shoot me a DM. I'm always happy to interact with people. Uh, I do post some players that I'm looking at the last uh, few posts have been about my trip to Portugal. Wanted you guys to kind of see and experience what I experienced and kind of a visual representation, but I'm back on the grind. There is, a, I don't know when your podcast coming up, but there is a, a post yeah, coming so up today great. about Alejandro Mark. So, um, so, so people are aware and I'm, I'm going to actually tune in and see if I don't have that influence, but you might. <laughs> see yeah. Yeah. We'll see. This one, this one's going to debut in a few weeks, but, so <laughs> there might be a little bit of a delay, but yeah, you know, please reach out with any questions. I'm happy to help. I'm, I, I also collect hockey, like, you know, um, and I'm still learning a lot in that market. Um, I generally don't flip a lot of hockey either. I keep it cause I love the cards. So I love, that. Um, I love the cards themselves. So it's hard for me to like dispose of stuff. That's awesome. Brother, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the podcast today and, uh, you know, giving me an opportunity to really be like, uh, I'm at home with the person across the, the the table from me. So I appreciate you. Team, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Cardboard Coach. Please go follow Special One Cards and Coach Co. and Special One are out of here. Peace.